You're listening to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. Well, as many of you guys know, there is an amazing global prayer movement that the Holy Spirit is orchestrating all over the world here in the 21st century. It's an amazing time to be alive and to be a part of what God is doing, awakening His church to pursue His presence, to host His presence, to cry out to Him, and God is answering prayers and moving all over the world. And so we're going to talk about the global prayer movement today. I'm very excited to talk about this with my friend Jason Hubbard, who's back on the podcast with us today. And we also want to touch on Israel, because right now there's a major war happening right there in the Middle East, and we know so many of us are stirred about this, praying about this, and even wondering how to pray about this. So we want to talk about that some today as well, because there is really a global response uh, of the body of Christ to cry out in prayer right now about that issue. And so make sure you tune in for the entire episode today. It's going to encourage your heart, give you faith, and hopefully provoke you uh, to pursue the Lord in prayer in a greater way. So Jason, it's great to be with you again. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Matthew. Yeah. I would love for you to just take a moment, introduce yourself, your ministry, for those who aren't familiar with you. Yeah, Jason Hubbard, and I live in Bellingham, Washington, a couple hours north of Seattle, and help facilitate a ministry called International Prayer Connect. We are a global prayer network of networks. So we connect, and we help people pray 24-7. We equip people to pray in an effective way, and we inform people on what to pray for. Uh, the network is quite large, and uh, we're seeing, yeah, God raising up watchmen and people of prayer and worshiper leaders all over the planet. It's amazing to see what God's doing. Yeah, and so it's been great to get to know you, Jason, over the last couple of years. We got to go to Herrenhut, Germany uh, last summer together, which was amazing. And so we wanted to kind of give some perspective to folks on what's going on with the prayer movement, and you have a unique view with what you're doing with the International Prayer Connect on what's happening. Uh, we did an episode a while back with uh, recently with Brad Stroop, who's really connected with the House of Prayer movement in the United States. And so he and I kind of talked about that, sort of what's happening in America, the sense of what God's saying, sort of the ups and downs of the House of Prayer movement here. And so today we thought maybe we could get a more global perspective on what's happening. And I know that uh, you were just at what was called the World Prayer Assembly, in Australia recently. So I thought maybe we could start there and you could tell us what happened there, what maybe if there are any testimonies or takeaways from that time. I know there were prayer leaders from all over the world together. So maybe that could be a good starting point today. Well, maybe I'll just back up to the first kind of world prayer assembly uh, was in 2012 in Jakarta, Indonesia. Right. And one of the reasons we hosted it there is because there's such incredible unity. Uh, John 17 won this and probably a hundred 24-7 prayer towers that are going till today. Say that again. You said there's a hundred 24-7 prayer towers in Indonesia. Just do a little rabbit trail and and explain what that means. Yeah, so these prayer towers are prayer rooms on tops of, most of them on tops of buildings. So you like, like think of a 12-story business building, offices all the way up at the top is a prayer room where they're looking out over the city. It's a great one in Jakarta. I uh, had a chance to go up to that one. You know, there's pastors up there. There's moms with their kids. I mean, it's just beautiful. 
uh, lots of worship and praise and intermingled with prayer. Yeah. So, yeah, these are all over Indonesia. Incredible. And there's around 100 of these that there's literally people in the rooms all the time. Yeah, 24-7, yeah. Wow. And, of course, Indonesia is the largest Muslim nation in the world, so it's quite something to see. And they have a real heart to pray for uh, the unreached, to pray for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And they're really beginning to see some of that happen, where a lot, a number of churches are being planted, Bibles being translated, uh, people coming to faith in Indonesia, so it's exciting. So we decided to host it there. Uh, Indonesia, kind of the main host, and then Korea was the co-host. So invited the Koreans. This was 2012. Yeah, 2012, yep. Yeah. We had 9,500 leaders from 86 different nations there. And then we gathered with the Indonesians at a big soccer stadium right in downtown Jakarta <laughs> with 120,000. I was just filling up stadium. And then there were like 300 plus, I can't remember the exact number, 300 plus stadiums. So like at least like a 10,000 mark across Indonesia that were filled up mm. with believers. It was all live simulcast together. Uh, just incredible. So 10 years later, in 2022, we decided to do another one in Indonesia to celebrate that and honor the leadership and kind of show reports. So that was during COVID, at least in Indonesia. And so we did an online gathering for that. Yeah. And we had watch parties all throughout Indonesia. That was powerful too. We probably had 500,000 or so that we could kind of say we're in a watch party um, joining us to some level. Amazing. And then what was cool was Indonesia had a sense, hey, it's time to pass a baton to another nation. And as we prayed and fasted, waited on the Lord, it, our sense was Australia. So this year, October 3rd through the uh, 6th, the Indonesians came and joined with Australia. And we had leaders from the islands, uh, Australia, New Zealand. I think we had 39 nations represented. There was about 3,000 in the room for three days, worship and prayer. About 75% of it was worship and prayer, and then we had about 25% speaking or, you know, shared vision. Yeah. Yeah, the number was awesome. Uh, 1.5 million joined us online this time around the world. Incredible. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to see. Uh, we wanted to do it in Perth, Australia, because it's the first prayer tower, at least similar to what's in Indonesia, in Perth. Mm. Yeah, just connected to a Victory Life Church, great church. So they're really pressing into prayer and and they have a lot of unity there, too, amongst the different churches and pastors and uh, ministries. So, yeah, pretty exciting to see. Yeah. Uh, a lot of youth were there. I think that was the highlight. Yeah, I watched the video you sent me, the youth just worshiping and dancing and rejoicing. I love that. Yeah, they're on fire. Yeah, so good. They're starting to see that in schools throughout Australia, uh, where they're having extended worship and prayer meetings, kids getting baptized. You know. In the schools. Yeah, in the schools, yeah. Now they're they're not public schools like in America, so it's kind of like a Christian school. But to be honest, they're not really Christian either. I mean, they are in heritage and name, but yeah, yeah, they're just shutting down school for a day and they'll spend time with the Lord. And the kids are repenting. Mm. There was one that went on for sixty-two hours uh, around the clock. So yeah, it's got some of that Asbury flavor to it. I think it's exciting. Yeah, uh, the last uh, big one was last big one was like I think. I think they had 600 plus of water baptisms uh, out in a park. In one school? Uh, I don't know if it was a school or if it was like, a, I think it was more like an outdoor. Multiple schools. Gathering, okay, yeah. Schools gathered together. So yeah, but it was all young people, young adults and, and high schoolers. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Pete, Pete Gregg just posted something about Australia, just feeling a sense, I think, of the Lord doing something special there. Yeah. 24-7 movement just did a gathering. Like, I think it was like a 
maybe a week ago or yeah, all a real similar time. I, I think the Lord is up to something uh, in the islands. I really do. So we'll see. I mean, if you go Tonga out in the islands, that is far away from Jerusalem that you can get. It's like the ends of the earth. Really? So you think about Acts 1-8, you know, uh, the gospel be proclaimed, you know, starting Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That is the ends of the earth. <laughs> from Jerusalem, that's it. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. And they're seeing <laughs> amazing stuff on the islands, solid islands, Fiji, you know. Yeah. Did you have any sense of, I know most of it you said was just prayer and worship, but was there any sense of a theme or anything the Holy Spirit seemed to be speaking or highlighting or that kind of thing while you were there? The main um, theme was uh, Habakkuk 2.14, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord would be covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. And again, part of that was, that was the theme in 2012 as well in Indonesia. And they had a sense now, you know, from the islands to Perth and then to the ends of the earth. Oh, cool. But what was really highlighted, Rick Writings came to share a visitation prophecy that he had, uh, amazing about how God was going to beginning to move like this wave of glory from the islands back to Jerusalem. Mm. And that in several of the dark cities of the world, God, there, there began to be sparks of revival and awakening to South Asia, Middle East, you know, back to Jerusalem. And that it was kind of beginning now, as it was his sense. Yeah. And in part of that, they, there was this massive tsunami that happened in Tonga, which is on the international date line. And they named this the Lamb's Wave. It sounds like, what? Yeah. Horace Lamb was the scientist that came up with this, you know, like this okay, type of uh, but the lamb's way. But my thought was, you know, and this is my Moravian roots here, but <laughs> that it would be, you know, the knowledge of the glory of the lamb would cover the earth yeah. as the waters cover the sea, you know. So they conclude the time uh, with a global communion time. Uh, Dean Briggs facilitated that, and we had different uh, people praying from different nations, and really powerful time. And then it was crazy yeah. was like literally seven hours later was when the war broke out in Israel. Right. So I thought that was interesting timing. But... Very interesting. Yeah, especially in light of the word you said Rick had about going from the islands and back to Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden you guys are there and then immediately sort of all eyes are on Israel uh, right after that. Just for clarity too, I wasn't there. We had our leaders and our leadership team there for IPC. Sure, gotcha. But I was at home. I was my son had a football game. It was his birthday, so I had a sense to be, <laughs> gotcha. be at home. But yeah, we're cheering everybody on. Yeah. It was a powerful time. Watch it online, of course. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's good. So beyond just the World Prayer Assembly, just give us your Jason Hubbard perspective on the global prayer movement. Like, how are things going right now? <laughs> Give us a give us a state give us a state of the movement you know uh, are things waxing or things waning or you know like yeah well there's certain nations where it's exploding like I've never seen anything like it in my limited perspective of course but see a lot of um, kind of re-emphasis and recalibration focus on worship and praise which to me I really think you know speaks to your book that you wrote I think God is restoring the tabernacle of David in these days yeah. and for the purpose of of mission you know uh the gentiles would seek the face of the lord i would say in america i uh, i would say it's waning a bit um just in terms of numbers of people mm -hmm. however i think there's a deep hunger amongst the young people and so i think this thing will just kind of surge again um and i think a shift a little bit of a shift i would say this would be globally too of 
maybe a better ecclesiology that as a house of prayer, we really are the church, all of us. And ecclesiology, just for anybody that doesn't know that word. Yeah, study of the church. Uh, <laughs> the study of the yeah. church, right. Ecclesia, the Greek word for, for church, God's gathered ruling assembly. There was a, a season there where a lot of house of prayers were in a separate building, separate from a local church, and they gathered people from different churches. With, but the reality was they really were the church still. <laughs> so, like, it, it, uh, <laughs> because we needed family, and you know, and we want really, I mean, biblically, house of prayer speaks of the whole body of Christ, and God wants every church to be a house of prayer, every family. Right. Uh, so I see that shift happening. I think that's really healthy, where we would um, we would all grow, becoming more and more prayer devoted. I also see a shift towards prayer for the Greek uh, fulfillment of the Great Commission, which I think is a really good thing in the prayer movement. Uh, there's such unity around that focus. I think mm. first, you know, the worth of Jesus, yeah, you know, His supremacy. That's number one. But mm. out of that, also, I think it's important for us to gather around not you know politics or race issues or in you know, all kinds of things that we could kind of come up that tend to divide people, yeah. even in the church. This is something we all agree on to make disciples of all nations, you know? And I think we're going to learn how to do this as family. So I think that's the other thing I'm, I really think that the Lord's calling us to is learning how to not just pray vertically, which is so right. <laughs> Amen. He's so worthy of that, but to do that together. Yeah. Um, and I think we're all learning how to do that. I, I see a great collaboration in the prayer movements, convergence, uh, a lot of unity there. Amazing things going on. For instance, even now in the Middle East, there's a, like, there's a great house of prayer in Iraq. It's doing a hundred hours of prayer. There's uh, one that was in yeah. Beirut, Lebanon, that's doing 50. Great one in Izmir, Turkey. Going, they go 24-7. 24-7 movements in, in houses of prayer and churches. And yet at the same time, there's a focus that the Holy Spirit will highlight in a season. And then we all kind of jump in there. We've, we've got our assignments that are local and regional, but at a global level, there's an awakening now to, for Israel. And that's a Isaiah 62 right. reality, you know, that we're seeing happen right now. So, yeah, yeah, we're always kind of uh, sharing the load, working together. There's some neat online. Uh, we've got a little thing called Global Family Prayer Room that's uh, 24-7 on Zoom. You know, 50 nations involved in that, 20 languages. Wow, 50 nations, 20 languages. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Most of these are pretty small. They're like 10, 20 people, maybe. But I mean, it's so neat to pray with Sophie from India, Indonesia, mm -hmm. Japan. You know, it's like that. That's pretty yeah. fun. So it's starting to feel to me, it's almost like, oh, it's feeling a little bit like a house of prayer for all nations, you know, not just for them on behalf of them, but we're actually doing that together as nations. I picked up four, four trends there. So one is worship and the spirit of the tabernacle of David being restored and, and that being, especially with young people, being a key for the way God's drawing them into prayer. Number two, you said praying churches that, that we're understanding that we as the church are the house of prayer and it's not church versus house of prayer. Uh, number three, a focus on the Great Commission and making disciples of all the nations probably tied into that, I guess, is praying for unreached people groups and and that being a, a way that we can come together in unity versus dividing, which kind of gets to the fourth point, which is greater unity and family and God's desire that we come together uh, as the body of Christ and on different levels and at, at times even globally to cry out together for certain things. So I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, you know, maybe talk about some of those global things that you've been a part of that, that God's been instigating. And we can even shift into Israel a little bit with this because that's obviously something that's, that's been highlighted 
I know there was are four global days of prayer this year, if, if I'm remembering correctly. There's a 110 cities initiative that has been going on praying for uh, specific cities globally. And then, of course, there's what's going on with Israel and some things that have been going on this year. And, and now with renewed emphasis on Israel in light of the conflict and the war that's happening there. So what are some of those things that God is sort of stirring the church to rally around as a whole? Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. Yeah, that's good. Well, this would have been um, last summer. Uh, We met with some of the key leaders of the underground house church movement in the Middle East. And um, we presented this idea of, hey, would you guys be willing to pray with us for these 110 cities? This is a big house church network. It's about 50 million plus. It's the largest movement of God in the Middle East by far. I didn't define the 110 cities, by the way, so you might need to explain that too. Yeah, so what we discovered through field-driven research was that um, 90% of the remaining unreached people groups in the world today, so they'd be like less than 2% Christian, they live in or near 110 kind of mega cities in the world. Yeah. So if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission in our generation or advance that needle, move that needle, we're going to have to point the per cannons that direction <laughs> and, you know, pray for discipleship, disciples, you know, amongst the unreached peoples in those cities. So, yeah, back to the, we met with these leaders and we said, hey, would you be willing to, to pray for these? And they honestly, they said, no, we're, we're praying for hours. You know, because a lot of those are <laughs> Middle Eastern cities. They're like Mecca, and yeah. Riyadh, and Mogadishu, and, you know, places where they're tough and uh, not a lot of Christians yet. But they did say, hey, we could do it a few times a year. You know, we get our whole movement to jump in. And we, so what the Holy Spirit kind of, I think, helped us discover was what if we, we called the whole globe, believers across the earth, to pray four times a year and target prayer for these 110 cities. So we would start with the Buddhist world in January, Chinese New Year. Now they would pray, um, you know, with the emphasis on China, of course, and then pray for the Muslim world on their night of power. 
And these are times when these peoples and people groups are spiritually hungry. So, for instance, on the night of power, Muslims are praying, they're seeking Allah for revelation. We're praying that they're going to meet Jesus on that night, have dreams, revelation, vision, you know, et cetera. Yeah, come on. I mean, there's a lot of evangelism they're doing during those times because people are more spiritually sensitive. We want to pray for the Jewish world on Pentecost. We'll come back to that. And then uh, we're coming up on our fourth one, which we are doing on November 12th during the Diwali festival in India, uh, praying mm-hmm. for the Hindu world, which we know is the most numbers of unreached, unevangelized peoples in the world today by far. And so as we got commitments in, uh, we connected with the underground church in China, the IPC movements are, you know, quite large, and then uh, in Africa, especially, and then connected with this group in, in the Middle East. And the number is like over 100 million people committed on these days of prayer. Uh, the first one may have been a little bit less than that, but I would say for sure, if, if not way more on the night of power. And with just one of our networks and IPC, they committed 70 million people to pray. I mean, it was just, wow, this is on the IPC side. And you got the 50 million with, with this other underground house church network. I'm going to leave that name just, just to protect their identity a little bit. You know, I heard stories in China, you know, it's just like, I mean, you know, a hundred thousand house churches in Beijing alone, just in one city, they all jumped in. What really got me was one of the leaders I was talking to was sharing about, there's hundreds, one of the exact number, let's say hundreds that he shared that are in the prisons in Beijing persecuted because of their faith. And at 5 p.m. every day, there's this rumble of praise and prayer and weeping. And on that night of power, these Chinese are praying for Muslim to get saved <laughs> from the prisons of China. <laughs> yes. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah, I love that. So maybe maybe zero in on the uh, Jewish people, because I know that, that we had the Isaiah 62 fast uh, leading up to Pentecost, which was a huge, huge move. Well, just one last thing on the on that Muslim night of power. So it's we heard from this this underground house church movement that since March up until about today, they've seen more results of church planning, evangelism, Bible translation, sign waters and miracles than they've ever seen before in the last twenty four years of their ministry history. Come on. And he says to me, other than the fact they do have more workers now, he said the only variable they could really say something's different this year than previous years was that there was these hundred million people praying with them. Of course, they're already praying as well. Yeah. But I thought, what a testimony. God is answering prayer in dark cities, you know. It's powerful. Mm. It's powerful. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, we met with uh, Mike Bickle, International House of Prayer in Kansas City in December, and that's where we kind of came together with these commitments for these hundred million in their history. Very interesting. They have had a kind of a prophetic word or sense that God wanted to raise up a hundred million intercessors to pray for Israel. You know, out of Isaiah sixty-two, that God would post watchmen on the wall until Jerusalem becomes a praise on the earth. And so they decided to launch twenty-one days of prayer and fasting. Uh, they had like 12,000 plus hubs and people committed to praying an hour. I think it was an hour a day with fasting for 21 days leading up to Pentecost. Mike said about 5 million joined in that. Incredible. Mm. And a lot of these were houses of prayers all over the world. So their whole house of prayer would say, hey, we're in. And then we uh, culminated that on Pentecost Sunday. And it was on that day that we had 100 million people praying. 
plus. I think I think let's say 110 million. I'm getting all the reports still in, so I'll be able to give us a full report at the end of the year and just find out sure. what people actually did. But uh, we didn't have those commitments at least. And then, um, yeah, yeah, we were on the seller step. So interesting. Uh, with 850, we had Jews, we had Arabs, we had Israelis, we had um, uh, internationals all together. Crazy moment on Pentecost. We're on the southern steps in Jerusalem, and we're there praying blessing over Israel, praying for the peace of Jerusalem, just honoring them. We had some, it's kind of a fringe group, but we had these strong religious Orthodox Jews that were cursing us, like literally, mm. you know, pushing people. Some of our people ended up in the hospital. I mean, it's just really sad. I don't think that represents Israel as a whole, but this group, you know, they were cursing us. And then on that same day, up on the Temple Mount, this is really where things, when we think about this war with Israel, this is really where it centers on. But Erdogan had just been reelected in Turkey. And so there were Muslim extremists up on the Temple Mount. At the same time, we were on the Southern Steps, and they're shouting death to Israel. They want to wipe them off the face wow. of the planet. You know? So it's just this weird spiritual, you know, on both sides, uh, clash. And you just have that sense. You can't put your finger out. It's not like I heard anything from the Lord, but it was just like, something is happening right now. <laughs> People are praying. God's answering. The devil is enraged, you know? Yeah. And so I kind of think this is some of what kicked things off a little bit for what we're into now. So, yeah, I, uh, I think the enemy is really upset. I, I really think that this war is really a war over the harvest. You know, what I mentioned mm. to you before, there's so many Muslims that are coming to Christ. Uh, we haven't seen very many Jews yet, but incredible numbers of Arabs all over the Middle East and uh, in China as well. There's revival breaking out right now in Myanmar. So a few pockets where you're just going, this is like, we've never seen this. Mm. And even in, in Jerusalem, you know, we're praying that Jews would meet their Messiah and Lord and Savior. You got all these people praying now for that to happen. You know, Romans 11 to come to pass, you know? <laughs> and yeah. so, I mean, and what if, what if uh, you know, these Arab believers that are walking in such unity and the power of the Lord and love for one another, and that, that could be the very thing that God could use to provoke Jews to jealousy, you know? Um, right. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. And so we're connected well with um, believers, the Arab believers in Jerusalem, actually in Gaza, and uh, just hearing reports of what's going on. And so... You know, really praying for believers all throughout Israel, really praying that this war would be restrained and contained, uh, it wouldn't turn into kind of a, a, a bigger regional or even world war, because a lot of times that's what can hinder the harvest. You know, we know persecution, the harvest increases typically, natural disasters, et cetera, but sometimes war can actually diminish. And so we're just praying that the Lord would restrain this, you know. Yes. Obviously, Hamas is an evil regime, you know, but um, but there's a lot of believers in Gaza, a lot of house churches there, and we're praying for them uh, for protection and wisdom for leaders, you know. So, mm -hmm. yeah, again, I think it's around the harvest. That's really my sense from the Lord. There's other things I know going on, but for me, too, I think that's a, that's a wise way to pray. Was we pray scripture. We pray for the Lord's promises to come to pass. Uh, rather than get into all the politics and all the other things that may divide us, you know, the Lord, the Lord is always about the Great Commission and His glory, His supremacy. We're pleading the promises of God. We're praying from the answer with the answer in mind, <laughs> and 
and then we can be assured, you know, that God's going to answer. Uh, yeah, hallelujah. Come on. Amen. Yeah, we found ourselves in our prayer room here. The two main prayers we've had are for peace, of course, and for things not to escalate. And then number two, for the harvest, for souls to be saved and for God to reveal himself, reveal Jesus in the midst of all that's that's going on. And so that, that's, that's exactly how we felt uh, stirred to pray. Just uh, one last question, just because I'm, I'm curious. With the global prayer movement, obviously, you know, there's a lot of uh, geopolitical issues. Yeah. <laughs> That can that can happen, and I'm sure can create uh, interesting dynamics in trying to uh, call people to pray. Is that an issue in when it comes to Israel? Like, do most nations get this? Does most of the global prayer movement realize the value and importance, specifically, of praying for Israel? Or is there any uh, even, you know, kind of tension in that? Boy, that's a great question, brother. I'm not sure I might be above my <laughs> Israel is always such a hot, you know, it's always such a hot button. Uh, yeah. I, I do think Isaiah 62, Yep. you know, God is doing that and he's setting watchmen on the wall day and night. And so I, I remember just as a preface, I want to hear, you, hear your perspective. But when I started getting stirred initially about day and night prayer and kind of drawn into the house of prayer movement and all that kind of thing, I loved the presence of God. I loved the idea of intercession. But I was not so uh, keen on the idea of eschatology and having to talk about the end times, which seemed to go with it. And then the topic of Israel, which is kind of connected to it. And I was like, you know, I'll take the prayer and the worship, but I don't want to do these other things. But then I started looking at the Bible verses <laughs> about day and night prayer. And I realized those other topics are just inter intertwined uh, and really hard to to disconnect from the idea of day and night prayer. And I think Isaiah 62 is a great example of that, depending on what you mean by, what you think it means when it says, you know, Jerusalem will be a praise in the earth. But I do think if God's going to set watchmen on the wall who cry out day and night, that part of what the Holy Spirit's going to do as we near the return of Jesus is stir people to pray for that harvest among the Jewish people and pray for them to really receive their Messiah. So Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at the the pattern in the book of Acts, I think even if you look at uh, strategy, theology, you know, keeping this connected to the Great Commission, Romans 1, to the gospel is going to go to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. And you see that pattern of Paul and even his own heart and Romans 10, 1, mm -hmm. uh, praying for all Israel to be saved, his heart desire, you know, and we're called to imitate Paul as well. Uh, in our life of prayer. So the guts part of it. I like to kind of keep it around mission rather than politics. You know, we don't agree with everything that Israel does necessarily. Right. In terms of a political nation. But we do see the election of Israel, of Jewish people in God's, you know, biblical storyline and narrative. And if you look at Romans 11, I would say 9 through 11, really, Paul really seems to point to that. So I think we were kind of praying along those lines, uh, keeping it focused on discipleship that keeps us together in unity. And I would say most prayer people are say yes and amen to that. Yeah. Um, and there's differences of opinions on, you know, replacement theology versus, you know, a fulfillment theology versus, you know, kind of a hyper Israel theology. And so, you know, there's all these things in yeah. the body of Christ, but no matter where you land there, we're all called to pray for Jewish people to get saved. <laughs> amen. I mean, that, there's no disagreement on. around that. Right. I do think we should follow the pattern of Scripture and take seriously Romans uh, 9 through 11. Yeah, Jew, Jew, Jesus, of course, is a Jewish man, 
And I think he wants his whole family to get yeah. reconnected, you know, in him. Yeah. We would be one new man in Christ Jesus uh, together in these last days. So, and we live that out in prayer. I think that's one of the things that helps us as we pray and we worship together. And, you know, you can speak to that in terms of that tabernacle of David kind of end time vision. That's such a biblical storyline as well. I think that's what God's doing today. It's amazing to see. I, you know, 100 million intercessors for Israel seems like a big number, but we had it on one day. That that's not a lifestyle, yeah. but but boy, a lot more people are praying now. I mean, so there's certainly God is this is on his heart, I think. Yes. And what is the Father's heart for mm. unbelieving Jews? You know, if we think about it from a family perspective, you know, I mean, I think if one of my kids was gone, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying that they're all saved, but like he still has longing for his family to come home. Yeah. Amen. So and we'll kind of pray from that place. I, I also, when I was in Israel, maybe one last thing. Well, two things. Hold on. <laughs> I'll share one <laughs> powerful story. But one thing I've sensed when I was there, and maybe you can post this on your, your website, but I was up on the Mount of Olives and had a profound sense from the Lord that he wanted to release a global gift of tears. Mm. That just as Jesus wept over Jerusalem, we would uh, enter into his heart begin to weep that we might reap a harvest, you know, really uh, learn how to travail hmm. and enter into the pain of Israel and of the Jews and and what God's heart is towards them. And, um, you know, I think about um, the promises of Psalm 126, you know, how our tears will reap a harvest of souls, you know, Spurgeon called tears liquid prayer. <laughs> I just think uh, it's almost like the prayer behind the words. You know, you, you could add to that travailing prayer, desperate prayer, or fasting, you know, but it looks like this ache, this agonizing. I think it's going to require that kind of intercession. Uh, God always responds to our ask if it's according to his will and for his renown and his glory. But he also, I think, wants us to, to, to really walk with him, partner with him in love motivated prayer. We really deeply care. For, for what's going on. And an amazing story, too. I think when you think about this, it's Jerusalem is full of Arabs, internationals, Palestinians. And we just go through the whole list, you know, and they're from all over the world, a very international city. So we want to have this God's same heart that he has for the Jews, for the Arabs as well. Yes. And, you know, in Gaza right now, we just heard a great story. I mean, it was like, I'm going to close with this, but this was just like yesterday. Uh, there was a house church about 18 of them in a, in a home, and they're praying, they're reading their Bible, asking God for protection. We're just days out from who knows what's going to happen, but they're trusting the, the Lord. Yeah. And um, there was four terrorists, Hamas terrorists, that found their their house, came into the house while they're worshiping and praying, mm. and said, do you know who we are? And they said, yes. They preached the gospel to them. They shared Jesus with them. They said that this is, this is the only way of peace is in the Prince of Peace. You know? hmm. And then that kind of made them angry. But so they opened up their vests. They had suicide vests on, all four of them, getting ready to just, who knows. And uh, they said, we're not afraid. We love Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and Savior. And shared Christ with them. They come under conviction of sin. They get bored again, take off their vests, and they're now part of this house church. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Come on. That's how you win a war. You know, I mean, I'll tell you what, Jeez, this, yes. is a, this is a battle in the heavens. It's, it's a spiritual it's not just war. A, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's our role as the ecclesia, the God's, God's people. 
that we would partner with them in prayer, stand strong, courageous as gospel witness, you know, witnesses for the gospel and, and, um, mm. yeah, lay our lives down. You know, I think about, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony. We don't love our lives even unto death. And that's for all of us to live that out in these days. So, mm-hmm. man. Man, this is amazing. Jason, thank you for sharing that last story. That's so good. So powerful. What a way to end. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll be sure to uh, put the link in the description to the uh, International Prayer Connect website. So if people want to see what's going on there, join the email list and, and sort of get the prayer updates so that they can be a part of this global movement of prayer. Uh, they can do that. So, Jason, this has been awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah.